Saturday with Colm O'Mungan on RTE Radio 1. Hello again. Well, with Metair in issuing a weather advisory for wintry conditions due to Arctic airflow over the next week, the government is once again housing over 80 international protection applicants in tents. Now, just a, this comes just a month after Minister Roderick O'Gorman said this wouldn't happen. The tented accommodation is in Knocklachine in County Clare. Let's just have a listen to Minister Roderick O'Gorman on the Today with Clare Byrne show on December 12th. We've been able to move everybody out of the uh, Knocklachine tents. We've moved people to about four different locations and a small number of people were we were able to move into the um, the permanent accommodation in Knocklachine. So now all our use of tented accommodation has ceased. We had two other centres that we were using for international protection in Athlone and in Kerry. We were able to close those over the last number of weeks uh, and now we've ceased the use of tents in Knocklachine as well. For some of them, there'll be shorter term solutions, but we're not going to be using the tents uh, in Knocklachine again. Those tents were there and in the other locations for a reason. Mm-hmm. So what happens when the next group arrives? We use tents because of the, the tightness of accommodation at that time. And we've been working, as I say, over the last number of, of weeks to move away from the use of, of, of tented accommodation and ensure that everybody can be accommodated indoors. Those tents won't be used again this winter. Are you guaranteeing that? We, we won't be using those those tents again. Right, that was Minister Roderick O'Gorman speaking to Claire Byrne on December 12th. Well, as I said, Eugene Quinn, Director of the Jesuit Refugee Service, spoke to us around this time on this programme. Um, Eugene, he's on the line now. Can you remind us about the conditions for the people there and give us your reaction to the tents being back in use? Yeah, so I, I suppose we describe the tents. There's a 13 tents in, in Knocklachine, which has also prefab accommodation. There's eight men in each of those tents. They're, they have a single divan bed um, and all their stuff they have to hold in bags around it. Um, the showers are outside and the toilets and they have to access them ex- externally. Um, I suppose we're deeply disappointed that the tents have been reopened again. Um, it's actually a bitterly cold morning in in, in Clare uh, today. Um, and those conditions prompted the, both the President and the Taoiseach to say we shouldn't use tents. And unfortunately, we found ourselves in a situation where around the turn of the year, 88 men have been moved into 11 of the tents and they're currently residing there now. Right. And this is this accommodation is not being used for Ukrainians, is it? No, it's not. These are international protection applicants. Largely, a, a, they're a different group from who were there before. Um, they would have people who would have arrived over the Christmas. Um, we're aware of the issues that were, uh, you know, when people arrived uh, initially, uh, they didn't know they were going to go into tents. Um, and I spoke to a couple of people last night who were in the tents and they said, look, it's, it's very hard. We know what happened the last time that uh, people, that the lack of privacy, the cramped living conditions, the fact that many people presented for, for medical care and the impact of finding the difficulty of sleeping and um, so it was very difficult conditions and then once the freezing conditions came in that that became an unacceptable level and people had to be moved out. Right and based on the last cohort of people sojourned there how long could these people expect to be there? So the last court, and I think the, the, the stated position, um, and I suppose just to recognise, uh, and you, you've said it, uh, there's extraordinary pressures on the system at the moment with the number of people that have arrived, both from Ukraine and in, in terms of uh, international protection applicants. And we had a report this week that projected that a further 20,000 people will arrive seeking the protection of the state from, from Ukraine. So we know there's extraordinary pressures on the system, but that uh, the conditions there in, in, in the tents 
are not acceptable. They're not they're not at a level. Uh, it provides just basic shelter, but but not enough to allow people live with dignity. And have people arrived? Are these people who have newly arrived into the country, or are these people who've been moved out of hotel or any other kind of accommodation elsewhere and into this I, I, accommodation? It's, 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 it's a mixture of both. There's a, a the largest number of the cohort are people who had arrived over Christmas, and then there was some from other pressures in other pressure situations who've been moved into into the tents. Right, and for people who say, look. It's not ideal, sure, but tents are better than nothing and better than living in an area where people's life are in danger. What would you say to that? Well, look, tents only offer basic shelter. You know, they provide basic shelter from the elements. It's not even a roof over the head. We think Ireland is a first world country that we can do better. And that also that uh, it's not a durable solution, not even in the in the short term. Like So we could face the situation next week where people would have to be moved again um, we, but do you position, fear it would become that, a permanent part of the mix? Well, as I said, what happened? What happens is it becomes normalised. So I think the idea was that people should be there for four or five days, but then they end up staying, and in the last situation, they stayed for three months. Um, and I suppose we have to just try and imagine what the live the lived experience of people are to live in a tent for three months where your only living space is a bed and a small space around and there's actually not even enough space for your own belongings. You know, they have to be in bags. Everything has to be just around that bed space. What that is like over a prolonged period of time in terms of your physical and mental health. Right. And based on, you know, you've been an outreach worker dealing with people who've arrived seeking international protection for quite some time and would be aware of some of the things they've been through what have you made of the protests in Ireland over the last while? People uh, protesting outside of accommodation vocally and often aggressively. Well, I, I, I think uh, somebody said that if people need to make protests, the proper place would be to make, um, if, if you're concerned with government policy, is to go to the government buildings. There's places like that to make protests. To arrive at somebody's home where there's been children and families, that's more intimidation than than, pro, than a protest. And I don't think that's an appropriate place. Right. I think what we do need to do is to move across to say, you know, the government policy is housing for all. So we do have a housing challenge. It's an extraordinarily difficult situation where people are in insecure housing situations. And so we need to find a way to progress all of them. So people need to see that who live in communities, that their housing needs are being addressed in parallel to the housing needs of people who've come to the country seeking protection. Right. And on the, I suppose on the information level, people who, who are granted asylum in the country join a housing list and have to take their chances like everybody else. Do you think more of an effort could be made maybe to address some of the disinformation that these people have who arrive in the country seeking international protection are somehow on a fast track to accommodation? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I think that only fairness and justice would say that people who, once you arrive at this, you join. Right. There is no uh, short, the people aren't being uh, fast-tracked onto it. So I think that information, is, I think the other side that needs to be is that we need to look at adding other housing solutions. And one of the ones that we've been strongly pushing, and actually there's a good example of it on the site in Ochlachine, is prefabricated modular accommodation, uh, accommodation okay. on state land. That could be provided very quickly. I, I was speaking to uh, the principal in a school where my children go, and they brought on 19 prefabricated units in a four-month period. There was an experience also in Balseskin where 150 units were brought in over a three-month period. And I think this could provide an option okay. that would be far better than tents and more durable. And I think that's something that should be considered. All right, Eugene Quinn from the Jesuit Refugee Service. Thanks for joining us. We're going to turn, other solutions have been mentioned, and one of those is uh, hotels. 
The Irish Tourism Industry Confederation said this week that the government needs to come up with a comprehensive plan as to how refugees and asylum seekers will be accommodated into the future. Uh, their chief executive, Ono Mara Walsh, said on again today with Claire Byrne that the government can't be over-reliant on the tourism sector because it's going to lead to a lot of economic problems, particularly in regional Ireland. Well, hotelier Lorraine Sweeney is on the line to give us her view on this. Lorraine Sweeney, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Colm. You run a hotel which currently accommodates Ukrainian refugees. Tell us about how, how how you're operating that. Yeah, well, first of all, I would say to you that hotels are no place to raise a family and it cannot be a long-term solution. So obviously the government sees it as a short-term solution. So do we as hoteliers. But it is better than a tent. It's better than a war zone and it's better than a refugee camp. So... Um, yes, there's 46,000 people housed in hotels here in Ireland and um, it's nearly a year now and we've we've had a lot of experiences. So we have many lessons learned and we need to reflect on those lessons. And right. I would agree wholeheartedly that, yes, we do need an integrated plan, some kind of a task force that um, includes education, welfare, housing, health. Uh, in order to have an aligned plan. There's no sense in having 500 refugees in a small town where there's no school. Well, well tell, us, tell us about your experience in the Wilton Hotel in Bray, where you're yes. still running a hotel business, but you're also accommodating Ukrainians. You're striking That's a balance there. That's correct. Uh, we, we decided not to go 100% Ukrainian because we have to think of the longer term, uh, look after our customers, make sure we have a tourism business ongoing. And uh, for all of last summer, we operated on a 50-50 basis where we had 50% Ukrainians and 50, with 54 rooms available for tourism. And that worked really well. Uh, during the winter months, we increased to 70% of Ukrainian and 30% because it's low season. And again, that has worked really well. And probably as the year goes on, we may reduce back to 50-50 again. Certainly, um, we haven't had discussions yet with the government in terms of renewing our contract, but I can't see a situation where we would turf everybody out uh, while kids are still in school and people are still in jobs. So we, we will but, certainly... But you would like to see a more durable solution that allows you to go back to 70% tourists, 30% people seeking international protection, is it? Uh, well, my contract expires in April and we await... Um, contact from the department to ask us if we want to renew and then we look at the terms of that contract. Right. Uh, th- and, but so I so you, you, haven't, that you, you haven't got in that, that kind of information. Does that explain why as reported by Jack Horgan Jones today in the Irish Times that two thirds of owners haven't signed up for renewal? They, they haven't been asked. Is that what you're saying? Yes, it is. And to be very fair now to the Department of Integration, they've been totally overwhelmed. Obviously, the lead-in time is short to renewing contracts because they're overwhelmed uh, with the the volume of people that are coming into the country. Um, They they are coming up with some solutions. And I think the government, uh, when they introduced €800 per household who would take in Ukrainians, was very innovative. So from the 1st of December, if you're a householder and you take in a family of Ukrainians, it could be one person, two persons, three three persons, you get €800 Euro a month tax-free, which equates to roughly 10000 a year. That should be widely promoted because I think that's very attractive. And we in the Wilton Hotel in Bray have had a few families who have been able to avail of that. In fact, I'm moving a family this afternoon uh, out of the hotel who were offered accommodation and that will leave a, a available space for another right. family to come in next week. And to return so, to that issue, sorry, of protests, do you think that would put you or indeed any other hotelier off uh, accommodating people? 
Well, do you know, one of the reasons I think there have been so many protests recently is that the government made a decision or the Department of Integration made a decision that they would uh, house large volumes of male uh, international protection residents in big uh, hotels or community centres. And that might mean two or three hundred men, you know, from, from different backgrounds. And that has triggered these demonstrations, in my opinion. And I think it's a wrong decision, to be honest with you. But not, not uh, in the case you know, of Ballymun, where there are children uh, uh, there. Uh, no, women, but it women didn't and start in Ballymun. And I think Ballymun has become a hot point because, you know, there's a variety of people there that are willing to demonstrate. But, you know, if you take, say... Sure, there's also, there's also a variety of people or a small cohort of people who are willing to spread misinformation and direct that local anger towards people. I agree with you wholeheartedly and it's triggered by the fact that they're using this analogy of there's 300 men living in there and like really it's not a natural environment to have 300 men living in one environment. I think it's much better to have a mix and that's that's what's triggered it. Um, I think the government has done reasonably well under very difficult circumstances but one issue that they could tackle is Ukrainians do not know whether they're able to avail of the housing assistance payments. And I think if the government decided that the €800 that they're willing to give a householder, that they would also give that to a Ukrainian who wants to go into rented accommodation, that they know then that they would have a subsidy attached to finding accommodation. That would help immensely, I think. All right, Lorraine Sweeney, thanks very much for joining us on the line. I suppose to you first, Peter Burke, what about that question? Is that part a possible solution you might consider or does the availability of rental accommodation put effectively Ukrainians in competition with those already seeking accommodation? No, it's not an option at the moment. So what we're focusing on is emergency accommodation at the moment, trying to <coughs> excuse me, bring some derelict buildings back into use that are under state control and also working with citizens right across the country that have provided over 6,000 places in their home for Ukrainian citizens. But I think really being honest with everyone, the prism of which we have to judge this response through is a wartime position. This is the greatest humanitarian crisis Ireland has ever, ever faced in the history of the state. We have a position now where we have almost 70,000 Ukrainian citizens in our country. We have over 19,000 people seeking international protection. And if we look at that compared to January last year, that's over 1,100% of an increase. And if you look to the future over the next number of weeks, there's a prediction that we could see up to 1,500 citizens a week coming into Ireland. So tense, realistically speaking, that guarantee that Roderick O'Gorman, your colleague, gave was premature, was it? They are going to be part of the mix if we are in, as you call it, a wartime situation. I think on view of the figures I've just given you, it would be very difficult for anyone to give an assurance that no one will ever be in a tent anymore because the figures are so stark. We've provided right. in this country 14,000 school places for Ukrainian citizens. Communities have really went above and beyond the call to really work and show solidarity for those and our European friends. But there have been huge challenges and those challenges will remain as this uncertainty and why continues. why the distinction between who goes into the tents? I mean, if it's an emergency for one 
human being, it's an emergency for another human being. Why do some people find themselves intense and other people not? Yeah, I understand in terms of when people are assessed. Obviously, IPAS has to assess citizens when they come into the country and the department has to make a call on that, depending on the availability of accommodation. There's no easy answers here. This is very, very challenging. As I said, if you have 1,500 more a week coming in, that would You know what the obvious the conclusion is, isn't it? White people don't end up in tents. No, that, but I don't, I don't think that's fair. To be, if you're really judging this position, no, I'm not saying that is it, but it's it's an obvious conclusion somebody could draw. Sure, and I think on view of the figures I've just given you. That is absolutely misinformation because we really have to be honest with people. This is a wartime situation and it's a huge challenge for the government when it is in the midst of an acute housing crisis as well. All right. Well, we've heard there, uh, Verona Murphy, that, you know, the uh, the minister's guarantee before Christmas was premature, as Peter Burke said. There, there can be no such guarantees further on into the future. How do you feel about tented accommodation? We have people in tents in Wexford for years, unfortunately, and predominantly the problem, like the narrative I'm hearing is that it's the war that has caused the situation. Of course it has. It's caused an influx of migrants that we are absolutely going to take care of and we haven't got an option. Who's in tents in Wexford? Sorry, just a matter of interest. We've had a number of homeless people in tents in Wexford for the last couple of years. I know, but they're not being put up by the state in tented accommodation. Because we don't have other accommodation. They're homeless because we can't cater for them with housing. And that here is the issue. We don't have housing to cater. Granted, it's an unprecedented situation, but we have had this issue not since the Ukrainian war. We have 11,500 homeless people that are not in the refugee or migrant system. We, are, we further have 4,000 migrants who are being housed in direct provision who are entitled to actual housing or, or need to get out into the rental so market you, but we w- w- just don't have housing. Would you back up what you've heard there from um, Eugene and, and, and Lorraine that, that you know other solutions but modular accommodation as Eugene said and a, and a quick rollout of modular accommodation Where is Where is it Column? I sit on the Public Accounts Committee I mean we're nearly a year into this war and we don't we haven't seen one modular home we have we have money set aside for 700 modular homes. We're hearing about the preparation. We're hearing about where they're going. Where are All they? All right. Aon at least in a modular, in, in the situation of, say, modular accommodation, uh, there's the capacity to have a kitchen there. There's the capacity yeah. to accommodate a family yeah. there. It's arguably superior to ho- either hotel or tented accommodation. Yeah. Where is it, do you think? Yeah, I, I think that probably is the solution. But in fairness to government, um, this is an unprecedented situation and in fairness to the Minister, I mean I've been in that situation where you're asked to rule out something completely and so you you rule it out completely because you want to rule it out completely and then the situation changes. Um, this is, like we have a historic and moral obligation to to accept as much as we possibly, possibly can. Tents are not ideal. Modular homes is, is obviously going to be much better. But, but just actually, you, you, can oh, I just ask you a question? Because just for, in yeah. a former life, you were a school principal. Did you ever have to source prefabs in, 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 in your time as a school principal? Not my own situation, but I know people who did. Right. And, right. And, and, and Eugene's portrayal of it there, he says, look, schools do it. They do it at short notice. It, is it as simple as it that? Can, it can be done. But then again, I know of a situation in the West of Ireland where there was, there, there was a local opposition to it. And let's be fair here, when the government have tried to find, or the department have tried to find individual solutions in individual local areas, there's been there's been a lot of negativity. Now, there's an awful lot of positivity. A lot of people in their communities have opened up their homes. Uh, the Irish people have stepped up. 
Uh, I know in my own constituency, there's there's a solidarity rally organised for next Wednesday on Fairview Bridge between 5 and 7pm to counteract some of the negativity that we've had in the last number of days. But uh, if, this if, is I not, suppose if, if, if what the department, this, if the department identified, and I'll come to you on this, yeah, no, Verona, but, just before I go back to Peter, if they identified a suitable the, site in your constituency for modular accommodation and there was local opposition, absolutely. would you... Would you absolutely would you, support it. You would support it. Would you, but, but, would you but, but support it? Can I make, can I make this have, point? Can I make this point? I live in Hookless, near Hookless. We have 300 migrants housed in Holiday Homes. We are doing our best to ensure and, and if there was they a site, can get jobs, but they live... I have someone who has four but of them somebody, working in okay. a, hos- in no, a no, hospitality. Just let, me, let, let me finish she this question. T- it takes her 60 kilometres This is a specific a question to, as, uh, to you as a local job. representative. If somebody comes to you and says, I don't want modular accommodation on my road because it's going to affect my property value and that's their rationale for objecting to well, it, would you say, I'm sorry... that we that are building housing columns. Okay, the reality is we have... Would you tell a constituent, I suppose, would you tell a constituent that property values... If property values migrants are Problem. No, no, migrants, I'm not. I'm not saying that we at have all. The highest percentage of migrants can you just, can just let me, Ireland. Would you? And this is a specific yes or no question. If a constituent came to you and said, "I am worried about my property value. That's why I don't want modular accommodation for people being accommodated in the country." Would you tell them, "Well, I'm afraid I can't support that position." In essence, I have no difficulty with that because okay, I right. believe that okay, we okay, need. If, if, oh, excuse okay. me. I do. Yeah. I would like to finish. We have. We have full employment. We have 12,500 well, Ukrainians working that, 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 at this point that's a set, that, in Ireland. That's no, a sep- no, it is a separate the, point because I, I was with, asking you about something else. Aon O'Reardon, very briefly yeah, before I go back I, to the, Peter The Burke. long-term solution there has to be state-provided accommodation, not giving this out to the private sector okay. has been the solution for the last okay, few years. Okay, all right, okay, hang on a second. Peter Burke, modular accommodation. On the specific issue of modular accommodation, if school principals can source it, if it's been identified as a solution, if the sites can be identified, where is it? 700 will be delivered by June of this year. Cavan, Cork, Tipperary, Mayo, Offaly and Sligo. There's a number of sites uh, underway in Cork and that will be by June will deliver it, it 700 It does seem units. modest when, when, you, when, you, when you look at it what does, school principals ha- have to do yeah, over the summer and they can deliver prefabs over the course of a summer. That seems to be, like that's, that's a it three is a month huge period. challenge and it does take time unfortunately but the government is Why doing everything. Why does it take everything. so much time when schools do it in three months? Because they have when you're the doing site, it at the scale remember what I'm talking about, 1,500 additional citizens coming in per week. That's far different than when one school put in a modular unit trying to increase uh, the number of capacity for students. This is a colossal scale here. And also I think what we have to approve upon is the 50 million euro fund in terms of for communities, for infrastructure, to really improve the areas to accommodate so many citizens right across the country. We have to work so hard on that and work with communities and really value community leaders who are so central to assisting with uh, Ukrainian citizens and others settling into the community. All right, okay. Well, I, I just, on the issue of, of the protests, um, Peter Burke, is, is there in, in the process at the moment, is there a policing plan for these protests? Is there a plan to counter, to proactively go out and counter, counter some of the disinformation? Or more to the point, is there a plan to engage with people in the social media companies that are headquartered in Ireland to crack down on some of the disinformation that's been spread about people? There are local community objections, sure. Concerns about resources, sure. But the act of disinformation, what's been done about that? Well, on the social media side, you know, we'll have our online commissioner in situ this year as a budget of over €7 million. Euro. But centrally, the Garda commissioner has stated that he is absolutely aware and is investigating some of these uh, items which have been horrific may I add and especially when you have so many children and families that have been traumatised with so many you know horrendous atrocities uh, in Ukraine and the trauma that those young children have seen I cannot understand how anyone could even 
contemplate going out protesting. And the second thing I would say uh, in relation to that is looking of where we've come uh, over three generations and more as a country yeah. and we had so many people to travel all over the world and the different you know, welcomes that they got uh, in other jurisdictions and had to come through very difficult times. We should know more as a society that we have to stand in solidarity with people who find themselves in very difficult all circumstances. Right. There was one of the points, Aon, that was mentioned by... Um Lorraine Sweeney there was the number of men being accommodated but uh, and there's this piece of disinformation that, yeah. that goes around about or, or sort of a, a spurious notion of these are military aged males but take the country of Eritrea for example the specific people who need to get out of Eritrea are military aged males course, because everybody is subject to, to, subs, uh, to conscription in that country so but Colin what's, happening, just, what's happening now is poisonous this is poisonous and we haven't had this as, as the Minister quite rightly has said ever in our political discourse apart from once in my political lifetime which was a stupid referendum we had in 2004 which was a mistake and wasn't needed and what was brought up by that referendum was a lot of nasty rhetoric and now it's back every other European country has immigration at the top of the, of the election debate agenda except us there's been never a mainstream political party who has used race or immigration to score political points there's been plenty never. of public representatives that have spoken out about traveller accommodation yeah, I know. there are and minorities there's, uh, well, who are there's one, there's one to my left here in the studio who's, who's made mistakes in that regard as well but anyway what I'll say here in, in relation to I want to be very clear I want to be very clear I want to be very clear what I'm saying here Right, this is poison, and this needs to be confronted. And Peter McFerry is right, and I believe Minister Niall Collins is right about exclusion zones around where people live. I spoke to Vincent Jackson yesterday. What went on in his community was an absolute poisonous disgrace. They were people were scr- okay, screaming abuse as school teachers. Right, but I, I can't abuse as So I, we I, have to be very, very clear here. I need to bring in Verona Murphy on this. I need to be very careful about the commentary as well. And Verona has made her own mistake. Hang on a second. I know, but you can't lump in what somebody has said in with all of that. And Verona deserves the right to reply on this. Her comments were taken out of context and we're not going backwards. The reality here is this. We have an issue with housing. It has a knock-on effect. We couldn't get teachers in Dublin because of housing. We can't get doctors in the country because of housing. We wouldn't even be discussing refugees and migrants because we badly need them here to join our society as part of the workforce if we had housing. And just to be clear, Government you're, you're, just, just to be clear, your view on these protests and, and, and the kind of information that's being disseminated to support, to drum them up and support yeah. them. Well, you you'd yourself said we need to counteract the disinformation. Comments like Adon just made are stopping people from even having discussion. The reality is here, the disinformation is that no, the migrants are a, a problem. Let hold me finish, then I'll let you say it. Migrants are a problem. The problem here is housing. All right, that's okay. what no, we no, need no, to put right. forward. We're going to bring out the very, 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 br- extremely brief because we do have something else to get to. and the Roxas members who say things they shouldn't say. And a there lot of them are also reports the, uh, too. Right. Okay, okay, okay. Hang on a second. Let me finish. There are, and, and some you people. Say, hang on a second. Just can I, can I just say, but, but, but before we go down this road, and, yeah, and, you know, you hang do. on a second. Whoa, hang on a second. Before anyone goes down any road, a lot of these members say things under dull privilege, a privilege that is not enjoyed in this well, studio. So choose, so choose, so you know what? Okay, let's go. Let's go. We've got we've got another topic to get to, and we're running out of time. So we'll be back. Asking the question whether or not the Standards and Public Office Commission needs to be beefed up after this.